<laughs> I promise you guys, I'm not going to get into trouble today, uh, but I am going to talk about worship. We're going to continue our series on wholehearted worship. How many of you guys have a desire to give Jesus the fullness of yourself? I do, man, and, and that means, uh, to me, that means vacating every place in my life where an idol has been established. I just wanna ruin those places so that I can give it completely to Jesus. I find myself praying on the daily, God, would you send your fire into my life and burn up everything in me that does not give you pleasure? Yeah. Right? God, just ruin our idols. You know, an idol is anything you have to check with before you say yes to God. And so, Lord, I'm like, ruin them. Anything that I'm putting in your place, anything that I have in front of you, anything that I'm willing to talk to you about is something that I'm worshiping in front of you. And I want to come to you with a full heart. I want to come to you as a wholehearted worshiper and give you all the glory that you deserve because of your finished work on the cross. Amen? Is Jesus not worthy of it all? Amen? We sing songs, we talk about it. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. And I think it does us well sometimes to ask ourselves the question, worthy of what? Because if he's worthy, giving him something does in fact look like something. What is it that we can bring to him today? For some of you guys, it's a sacrifice of praise. You know, I don't know anybody in here that's a bigger, bigger Packers fan than Philip, and he's not at Titan Stadium. Is that church? Sacrifice of praise. I know he would, he would like to be there, uh, but he's given God a sacrifice of praise. And those, type, those types of things are not unnoticed by heaven. You build equity in the kingdom with trust and authority when you give God a sacrifice of praise. Right? Dude, you just built authority in the kingdom today. How many, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you guys didn't feel like coming here today? But you came anyway, right? You know, you were tired. You woke up. You're like, man, I played flag football yesterday, which a few of us did. I am in, I am, I am in pain. I am hurting. We won that game. Hallelujah. We beat Grace Center. Hey. By one touchdown. <laughs> Our friends down at Grace Center, we, we played flag football with them yesterday. Had a blast. Anyways, so I know that sometimes that's a reality for us. We're like, man, we, you know, I don't want to go to church. But I go anyway. You're building equity with God. You're building trust with God and all of your authority in the spirit hinges on trust. Right? Okay, all right, I better start my message. So I wanna read to you guys from Revelation. You know, after an election, it's just appropriate. <laughs> so open up your Bible to Revelation chapter four, please. And um, I wanna talk. I'm gonna get into trouble today, I can already tell. No, I, I, uh, I've read enough Facebook posts this week, my head's spinning, and uh, my heart is grieved. You know, I've come to church this morning, man, honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of grieving uh, for some of the things I've seen, and I'm like, ah, oh, I can't wait to just give God praise on Sunday, uh, because to the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Yes. Yes. Woo, that's a heavy promise, isn't it? That's one we can take to the bank. We can hold on to. It can be an anchor for our soul in times of storms. So Revelation chapter four, I wanna talk about worship as a response. Everybody say response. I wanna talk about worship as a response to the reality that Jesus is Lord. So a few people have asked me for my, uh, my political opinion. 
Jesus is Lord. That's, that's, there you have it. So I wanna talk about that. I wanna read the response of heaven as they recognize the reality that Jesus is Lord. So Revelation chapter four, verse two and three says this, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. That's, that's pretty amazing, huh? A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. And now jump down to verse eight. Here's, here's the response that we see. So here's the picture of heaven. You know, uh, John the Beloved, he's, he's, he's caught in a vision, all right? He's having a vision of what it looks like in heaven. This is the throne room of heaven where worship is happening, 24-7, 365. And we see the response of heaven as they gaze upon the beauty of King Jesus. The second part of verse eight says, day and night they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. If you've ever thought to yourself, I don't know what to sing today, I don't know what to pray today, just partner with heaven and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Verse 11, jump down to verse 11. Here's another response. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created, and they have their being. That's what's happening in heaven right now. This morning at, what time is it? 11.41. That's what's happening right now in heaven. In the kingdom of God right now, all of heaven is worshiping God on the throne, singing out over and over again. They never get bored with it because every time they see his face, every time he shifts just a little bit, it's like gazing upon uh, an, an, an unknown facet of a diamond. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. It's so profound. They cannot stop themselves from crying out, holy, 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 right? How many of you guys know it's impossible to see God and not worship him? Because he's so beautiful, he's so awe-inspiring, he's so wonderful, he's so incredible that when you see God, you cannot help but to worship because he created everything. He created us. Everything that's alive has its being in, in, in God. And that's what's happening today in heaven. That is the response. Everybody say response again. That is the response of heaven. So as we talk about worship, wholehearted worship today, let's talk about worship as a response because we worship as a response when we recognize that God rules and reigns in our life. We cannot help ourselves. We have to worship. Worship is a response. Once more, please, everybody just say response. So we know that Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. You guys finish it on earth as it is in heaven, right? So when we worship, what we're doing is we're actually reenacting what is happening present tense in heaven. Do you guys know that? So when we start to worship in here on Sunday morning, what we're doing is we're saying we're gonna do what they're doing there. What, what's happening in heaven right now, we're gonna do that here. So that's the foundation, that's the basis for worship. If you ever thought, why in the world are we doing this? Here's why, because it's going on in heaven. And as saved people, people are coming home to Jesus, we're gonna get to do this forever. 
So we just start now. Yeah? And so when we do what they're doing there, we get what they have there, which is the rule and the reign of the authority of Jesus Christ. Where we worship, God reigns. Where we worship, we pull on the authority of heaven and we establish God's kingdom in that place. And in front of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? That's what happens. It tells us in the Psalms, it talks about that God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. When we send up praises, the blessings come down. Right? When we send up praises, the authority comes down. And that is the blessing. It's God's authority. So whenever we start to send up praise, God starts to reign over our problems. I'm excited about this. So when we start to send up our worship, God sends down his authority and he starts to reign over our circumstance, which is why we cannot let our circumstance dictate our worship. We let our worship dictate our circumstance. Because we say, hey, it doesn't matter what storm I'm going through in my life. That's not going to change my worship. I'm going to let my worship change the storm. I'm not going to be overwhelmed by the storm. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to begin to worship, and I'm going to tell that storm like Jesus did in the bow of the boat to sit down and shut up. Because I have a, I have a, I have a government that I'm enlisted in as an ambassador. I'm a government official of the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, I have the authority of the king himself and I can bring worship thereby enforcing that reign here on the earth. You guys all know that? You're not just a citizen, you're an ambassador. You're a delegate of the kingdom of heaven. That means that you come in the name and you come in the authority of your king. And that's what happens when you begin to worship. You're having a problem at work, you just start to worship. You're having a problem somewhere, you're in the midst of darkness, you find yourself in a real weird atmosphere, like, what's going on here? Worship. You begin to send up worship because one is a majority in the kingdom. Even if it's just you and there's nobody else there who even wants Jesus around, they cannot help it because every knee has to bow, every tongue will confess, every atmosphere has to shift, everything has to change, whether it's the mention of the name of Jesus because he is Lord. And he's looking for a gateway. He's looking for a mouthpiece. He's looking for a body that he can partner with and move through. And so as you co-labor with God and you choose to worship, you become a gateway for the kingdom of heaven. That's what wholeheartedness accomplishes. Worship is not primarily for us. Worship is primarily for God. But as we worship, there are some things that happen. There are some blessings, some benefits that are released to us. And I want to talk to you guys about those blessings and those benefits that are released to us as we worship. <clears throat> to follow up, super quick, Revelation 11. If you already have your Bible open, you want to look at this, here's some of the results. Revelation 11, verse 15 says this, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. If you've ever been confused about what your assignment is as a worshiper, it's, the, it's this, to transform the kingdom of the earth into the kingdom of our God and his Christ. If you've ever been confused about your calling, just know this, it's to transform the kingdom of this earth into the kingdom of our God and his Christ. 
That's the assignment that's upon your life. That's the anointing that's upon your life as wholehearted worshipers. You know, even as, even, as, even as Jesus sent out his 12 apostles, right? You guys have heard that term before. Apostles, it means sent one. Do you know he didn't borrow that term from the religious community? He actually took that term from the government culture because the apostles were the ones who were sent out from Rome to actually bring the culture of Rome in whatever city that Rome had conquered. Because they realized it wasn't just about slapping a new name, you know, across the doorpost of the city and saying, hey, this place belongs to Rome now. That's not what they were doing. They needed to actually send apostles who would culturize the people so that as people went into these cities, it would look like Rome, feel like Rome, it would be like Rome, it would be Rome. It would be an extension of the rulership of the emperor of Rome. So as we are being sent out as sent ones, as apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, helpers, givers, uh, 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 workers of miracles, right? P people that God has called were sent out in the same way that Jesus sent his apostles to culturize the kingdom of the earth so that it looks, that it feels, and that it is like the kingdom of heaven. That's what happens when we bring our worship. So just look at your neighbor and say, that's you. That's you. Am I scaring you guys this morning? All right, man, that was quiet. That was a quiet, that's you. But here's the reality, guys. Worship is powerful. Say worship is powerful with me. Worship changes atmospheres. Worship brings heaven and declares the rule and reign of Jesus. When we see God, guys, we cannot help but to worship. That's the reality. If you're a saved person, if the blood of Jesus is upon your life, just consider, as we talked about last week, what he's brought you out of. And that's all you need to worship. So let me say this about worship, guys. And um, worship, worship is a response, but not a reaction. So I want you to think about this. Worship is a response, but not a reaction. So the word response, if you look it up in the dictionary, you'll find that it's, that it, you know, it's rooted in a Latin word, which uh, responsum. I don't know how, if that's how you say it or not, but that's how it's spelled, responsum. And what it means is something offered in return, all right? So a response is something offered in return. That's response. So a reaction, on the other hand, is most often recognized as a reverse movement, okay? That's what, that's what a reaction is. It's a reverse movement. Now, that, those definitions might be, uh, you know, a little confusing, so let me paint a picture for you, give you a little illustration. A response is what you give your spouse in an argument. Okay, so you consider all the information at hand before you spout off and just say whatever feels best in the moment. Can all the married people say amen? Right? So a response okay, a response may come slower, right, as all the information at hand is considered. A response is thought through. A response is first, you know, it's, it's, it's given only after the fullness of information is received, all right? So we respond. It's thought through. It's strategic. It's intentional. It's deliberate, okay? It's, it has wisdom on it. 
all right? That's a response. Whereas a reaction tends to be rapid based upon our feelings in the present moment. So to paint a picture of what a reaction is, a reaction is what happens when someone cuts you off in traffic when you're almost to your exit and it's so jam-packed and they won't let you over, like in L.A. this last week when I was there. And then, you, you know, you're like, you're, you're stepping out of your Christianity and you're cussing them out and then, you know, oh, nobody, nobody does that in here? Man, I've seen some people on the road, man, and I swear they're Christians. They have a Jesus bumper sticker. And they're, right? That's a reaction. Everybody say reaction. That's what that is. It's a reaction, right? So do you think that that person really thought through their response? You know, before they flipped you off and, you know, rolled down their window and screamed at you? You know, we, that's a reaction, right? They, they didn't think through that. They just responded with what felt right in the moment. I'm just reacting, right? So worship is a response, uh, but not a reaction. So wholehearted worshipers respond to God in worship rather than react to life's problems. So this is what wholehearted worshipers do. I'm going to say it again. Wholehearted worshipers, they respond to God in worship, not react to life's problems. So here's the natural tendency for all of us, guys. Nobody's exempt from it. Something bad happens in our life. Something challenges us. We have a choice to make. Do you want to react in the moment based upon the feelings that you currently have? Or are you going to pause long enough to deeply consider your response and give God some worship no matter if it's up or if it's down? There's a big difference in a response and a reaction. You know, I've never seen a reaction promote much relationship. But in response... We can keep the main thing, the main thing, which is love and connection, right? So reactions, they're often exonerated by, well, this is how I feel, and I don't care what you think. I'm going to say what I want to say because this is what I feel in the moment. You guys with me? And a response is more thought through. It's more strategic. It's more intentional. It's more deliberate. You consider all the information at hand, and then you speak. You listen twice as often as you speak, right? There's a lot of proverbs surrounding that idea. So that's the difference in response and reacting. And so there's a big difference in responses and reactions. And I'm sure that you've noticed that there's been a lot of reactions this week on Facebook. Facebook has been full of reactions and not a lot of responses. Uh, you know, even right now, as you've heard me articulate what it means to have a response versus a reaction, you might be thinking to yourself, I may have reacted this week on social media rather than responding. It's always a good rule of thumb to pray before you post, especially if you find yourself in the midst of an adverse reaction that you don't want to have. Some of you guys need to delete some Facebook posts today. I'm serious, honestly, really, because if it was fueled by hatred and not by love, you were not cooperating with the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of the world. And it's never appropriate to demonize anybody, but to see people through the lens of love, understanding that God wants them. He wants them. So why, why do we reject them so harshly, right? So there's another one of my opinions. But honestly, guys, I feel like as I have looked online, I'm like, man, I really wish that people would pray 
you know, before reacting, I really wish that people would pray and give a response because so much of it seems to be fueled by hate and not by love. And that for me has just been like, oh, man, this is such a bummer. Because you know what often accompanies reactions? Regret. You regret it later. Man, I really wish I wouldn't have reacted like that. <clears throat> but while reactions lead to regret, you know what responses lead to? Worship. Because when you think and you consider, even in situations that are negative, what's the right response? You come to the conclusion, the right response is worshiping Jesus. The right response is always worshiping Jesus. The right response is always turning the pain back into praise. The right response is always turning the hatred back into love for God. And that's where we find it, in the presence. Amen? So reactions, they don't produce peace. But they often lead to anxiety. Reactions don't displace disappointment. Reactions rarely help our relationships. And reactions don't often produce worship in our lives. Responses, on the other hand, are typically best. A prayed-through response has the ability to change everything. A great response may save a life. A great response by a world leader may stop war. A great response will keep us worshiping when life demands that we discontinue. That's what happens when we respond. Worship is a response and not a reaction. A few things that... Worship does when we are responding to God in worship. I'm going to give you three points, so if you're writing them out, I'll go through them pretty quick. But number one is that worship destroys anxiety. How many of you guys know that intimacy with God is the best anxiety treatment on the market? Intimacy with God has the power to give you perspective and to heal you. Intimacy with God is the best prescription that you could write yourself, all right? So when we worship and we are responding to God in worship, anxiety is destroyed. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we respond in worship, we release the atmosphere of heaven, which is peace. When we respond in worship, we enter into the rest of God. You know, worshipers might be tested, but worshipers are well rested. Because they're anchored in another reality which is an atmosphere of peace which produces rest. So even though the enemy might test you, he might test your patience, he might throw problems in your direction that would cause you, you know, to be confused or to be anxious for a moment, when you choose to respond to God in worship, you might be tested, but you're about to tap in to the peace that makes you rested. Like, yeah, I know some crazy stuff is going on, but my soul is at peace. Why? Because I know who my God is. Amen? And so when we respond in worship, we destroy anxiety. The truth is, oftentimes, most days, we will be worried until we worship. But when we worship, we displace that worry in our life. You know? You guys ever noticed that before? You can't do anything until you pray in the morning. 
right? I don't, know if, I don't know if it's like that for you, but I just feel like I go through so much every day. And I'm not saying my life is bad or that I have a lot of problems. I just got two kids, you know? And so, you know, you'll be tested. And so you got to pray beforehand so that you can get in the right posture to face the day, right? You're like, hey, I'm anchored. I'm in my peace. I've already talked to God this morning. I already know how he feels about me. Therefore, it doesn't matter what the world throws at me because I'm good. Right? That's why we give God the first fruits of our day and not Facebook. So number two, when we respond to God in worship, number two, we restore hope. So just write that down. We restore hope. When the future looks bad, we don't have God's perspective. God is not nervous about everything that's been spoken this week. Because his throne and his kingdom and his rulership is not in jeopardy. If your future looks negative, you don't have God's perspective. But when you choose to respond to God in worship, you gain an eternal perspective because you get God's perspective. Right? And God sees the end from the beginning or or the beginning from the end or vice versa or whatever because he sees it all. He's outside of time. He's not worried about how everything is gonna turn out because God is confident. Another one from Philippians chapter four. Honestly, guys, if, you're, if, you're, if you wanna do some home Bible study on, on this today, I encourage you, go, go read Philippians chapter four. Verse five says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Isn't that interesting? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. God says that you should be recognized as a reasonable person. Because you can be reasonable when you choose to respond in worship. But when you forget that, you'll be erratic and you'll react and everybody will recognize that. Okay. The Lord is at hand. That's the following part of let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. When we react, we forget that God is at hand. Right? Sometimes it's so easy to remember that God was faithful in your past. But as faithful as God has been in your past, he will be just as faithful in your future. A lot of times when we think about the future, we don't think about it as though God is our companion. We're like, ah, what if this doesn't happen or that, or that does or, or, or God's not there or God doesn't show up. Has, has God ever left you forsaken in the past? No, God's never left you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In the same way that, that Jesus has been faithful in the past, he will be faithful in the future. And when we respond in worship, we remind our circumstance, we remind our future who is above all and who is at hand, and that's Jesus Christ. That's responding of worship. If you cannot get a glimpse of your future through a lens of hope, you're reacting and not responding. Right? If we see our hope as, as, as being terrible or bad, that's a reaction. That's not a response that's been thought through. That's not a response that's been tempered with wisdom. That's not a response that's set down in the presence and got God's perspective. Because when you, when you sit with God, you, get God you, you, you see what God sees. And you start to feel what God feels. And you start to think what God thinks. And all of a sudden, the people that you thought were terrible are all of a sudden somebody you want to give love to. That's the gospel, guys. That's the gospel. Here's the third one. And this is a a big deal. 
And this, this probably is going to be uh, my favorite point of the message. It's this, is that when we respond in worship, our worship brings unity. Everybody just say unity. This week, a bunch of reactions, they've separated us all week long. I mean, even amongst Christian guys, like, um, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but even amongst Christians, our reactions have separated us. Have you guys noticed that? Have separated us, have, have driven a wedge between people. This, this, I mean, this has been the most intense bipartisan election that we've probably ever had. Is you know, I, I, I don't know. That's my opinion, but you know, the the re, the reactions that people have 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 just released online have, have attempted to separate us. And, and and the Holy Spirit is not a spirit of accusation. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of advocacy. The, the enemy is known as the accuser of the brethren. The Holy Spirit's not out accusing people. The Holy Spirit is advocating for people, especially people on the other side. Whatever side you are on, the Holy Spirit's advocating for that other side as much as he's advocating for yours. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He advocates, not accuses. Right? He convicts, but he doesn't condemn. Right? And so we even know that in the Greek, the name for devil is diablos, which means to divide. The enemy's assignment is to divide us. And if he can do that over an election, he'll jump on that opportunity every four years. But God wants us to unify. Amen. That's why he gave us the blood of his son. And by the blood of his son, we can proclaim Galatians 3 and 28, which, which says there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When we respond to God in worship, our differences become absolved. It doesn't mean that we don't celebrate diversity. We do that and we acknowledge everyone's uniqueness and beauty. But we see one another not as, I'm indifferent to you because you're so weird. But we see one another as a brother. We see one another as a sister. We don't see one another as somebody far off, but somebody brought near by the blood of Jesus that's deserving of the same love that we share in Christ. And we start to advocate for them, not divide ourselves. We start connect with them. We start to share love and not spew hate. We stop reacting and we start responding because we understand that Jesus died for them as well. That's what worship does. Worship brings unity. And so, see, it doesn't matter who you voted for the last few weeks. What matters is, is that in the presence of God, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all one. We're all together. We all share the same blood. We're all human beings that are completely dependent upon Jesus Christ and the love and the grace that he shed on the cross. And that's what we cling to. Not a party, you know, not a donkey, not an elephant, but a lamb. You know what I'm saying? That's what we cling to. The blood of Jesus reconciles, it unifies, it, 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 it displaces our differences and it brings us all into the same family and says it doesn't matter where you've come from or what you've done. By the blood of Jesus, you've been set free and you have a place at my table. You guys with this? This is what worship does. It unifies us. We're not carbon copies. We're all individuals that are unique and we're all beautiful. And when we respond in worship, we can unify not around our differences, but around who our dad is. We can, we can understand he's a good dad and, we're, and he made us all a little bit different, but we all had the same blood, right? 
So when we respond in worship, we become open to one another. We love one another despite our differences. It's only in worship do we gain that perspective. So if you've had, if you've had a lot of trouble this week relating to people and, you know, just spend some time in worship. Like, you're like, what is going on with that person? They're my friend. I can't believe they think that. They're terrible. Demons. They've... It's a reaction. It's a reaction. It's not a response. It's not a, it's not a response that's been tempered by wisdom from the presence of God as a result of sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing his heart. Because his heart is love. His heart is compassion. Amen. So I want to invite you guys to stand because I'm going to pray, but we're also going to worship. We're going to do one song of worship as we're closing today because as we've continued to talk about uh, wholehearted worship, we want to give everyone the opportunity to respond. And here's, here's what I want you to look at. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a first responder. <laughs> you're a first responder. Look, come on, look at the person on the other side and say, you're a first responder. Why do I say that? Yeah. Here, here's why I say that, guys. It's because first responders, you guys all know what first responders are, like EMTs, you know. But, but, but wholehearted worshipers are first responders, and here's why. Because before they do anything else, they respond to God with worship. Before they react, they respond to God with worship. Before they, before they let the enemy have a heyday on their mind and bring confusion and sow hatred, they first respond to God in worship. Before they make a judgment call or go online or post bad things about other people or you know write people off and are no longer in relationship with them, they first respond to God in worship. They might go through circumstances. They might go through problems in their own life. They might be fired from their job. They might be let go. They might be talked about, stabbed in the back. But the first thing that they choose to do is they are first responders because they first respond to God in worship. And that, guys, changes everything. Because when we worship, we release the reign of the kingdom of heaven in our lives, in our relationships, and everywhere that we go. So how many of you guys would say today, man, I really need, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna lift my hand on this. I really need, I really need the authority and the reign and the rule of Jesus in my life again. I, I did, and I'm, I'm not, I just, Maybe it's just been your week. I want that, guys, I, for all of us. I want that. I want that rule and that reign. I don't want to be confused. I want to be at peace because my soul is anchored in heaven. My, my, my soul is anchored in an unshakable kingdom. God promised us that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, right? But not his kingdom because it's an unshakable throne. It's not going to disintegrate. Nobody's going to pull Jesus off the throne. He himself will rule and reign forever. To the increase of his government, there will be no end. And it's always increasing, never decreasing. Every day we wake up, there's an increase of the government of God. There's an increase of the authority of Jesus. There's an increase of the manifestation of the goodness of your Father who is in heaven. You know, we ask for bread. He's not going to give us a stone. We ask for fish. He's not going to give us a serpent. He's a good dad. And when we respond to worship, we acknowledge the fact that Jesus is good. And his rule and his reign in our life is good. And we partner with heaven and we declare God is good. He is holy, holy, holy. So as we sing this song, guys, I want to invite our ministry team to go ahead and come up. And if you want to worship your way to the front and receive some prayer, I want to invite you to do it while we're worshiping, all right? You can receive some prayer. If you've had a tough week and you just want somebody to partner with you for peace in your spirit, there's going to be people ready to serve you. They're going to be wearing badges. They're going to pray for you, okay? They're safe people to pray with. 
and as we worship, guys, I wanna, I wanna ask you, I wanna challenge you, just lift your hands and just know this, as, as, as your praises, as your worship goes up, the authority of Jesus comes down and it rules and reigns over your life. So let's just activate and, 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 and go after becoming wholehearted worshipers today. Everybody say amen. 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 Let's worship.